Well, welcome everyone, one and all, to the second installment of the beloved international. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> I, that was it. I died. Did we do it? I'll, I'll we did it, it. That was the podcast. I was going to see the beloved internationally popular podcast, In Bed with Nick and Megan, starring welcome. Mr. Nick Offerman. Say hello, Nick. Hello. And featuring the Megan Mullally. Megan Mullally. Say hello, Megan. Hello. And with our very, very special guest star right here in our bed, and that's for real, we record this podcast from our actual bed, the beloved and beautiful Mr. Will Forte. Will, I think hello. It's, I think it's pronounced Fort. Will Fort. Will Fort. Well, my most pressing and first question would be, how's your mom? My mom is great. She turned 76 two days ago. She said to say hello to both of you. Hi. Hats off she, and love. Will has the nicest mom in the world. She really is the we nicest. We were all in a movie together. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Treble Dolls. Has she acted since then? Uh, She, I don't think has. <laughs> well, we I'm, glad I, career. I'm glad I caught her at the zenith of <laughs> yeah, her acting we got career. Her at peak. Yeah. So, um... We are here at our house, and we are all sitting on our bed, on Nick and my bed, now Nick and my Ann Will's bed. I love your house. Thank you for inviting me into it. And your bed is very comfortable. So glad. It's and a California king. I don't know. It, it's, oh my God. Well, I mean, in any state, this is going to be a luxurious bed. But the, uh, I want, I, I know what happens here because I did uh, moderate a Q&A for your book in Chicago last year. And one of the things that really sticks with me is the amount of sex that you guys have. And this is public knowledge because it's <laughs> yeah. like yeah, it's in the book. Yeah, it's been documented, mm -hmm. right. And We're not closeted. So I know yeah. what happens here. And it's. I think when I sat down, I, there was a little, I, I might have just imagined it, but a little zap of electricity yeah, hit my Yeah, you catch a little buzz. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can you can feel that some uh, there's been some quaking in, in this particular seismic zone. <laughs> Do you have the like the mm -hmm. floors... Uh, Reinforced. Yeah. Yes, of course. Okay. Yeah, there's. I do a lot yeah. of truss work. Um, this whole room is actually outfitted in steel. It's just then we plastered over it so it wouldn't look so imposing. That's right. So it's kind of like the technology behind a panic room. Mm-hmm. But it's just like the opposite. It's just a different word than panic. Yeah. When frolic. those earthquakes the happened. Who knows? I don't know how you guys do it. It's more of a frolic room. When frolic those earthquakes room. hit around July 4th, we didn't even feel them. It's nothing compared to the yeah. I mean, I thought we, jolts we, we create. perhaps were behind them. <laughs> uh, since we, since we touched on the uh, the luxurious bed this house boasts, um, something I learned from Megan in our years together is that there are different qualities apparently of bed linens. Uh, some sheets and pillowcases are nicer than others. Yeah. Do you want to speak to that? <laughs> oh, Nick. Nick comes around to things kind of slowly. Like he just last year, after 
We met in 2000. So last year was 18 years together. Yes. And during the 18 years, I would sometimes say, hey, have you ever worn a pair of sneakers? Because he wears these big, um, work boots. like steel-toed work boots all the time. Like, oh, I wouldn't wear sneakers. No, no, I wouldn't. Well, last year he discovered sneakers. And guess who's having a love affair right now? <laughs> Nick They're so and comfortable, you guys. Athletic <laughs> shoes, and they're way lighter try in weight uh -huh. than work boots. And what's the thing just the other, just like yesterday? First time I had uh, my beard trimmed. Uh, okay, what? there's something else. There's an article of clothing. You've never ever trimmed your beard. You've either mm -mm. shaved it all the way off or just he let it go? He likes a giant bush. Yeah. It I, looks really good. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, it was any, anything, any compliment that I get means that Megan has influenced my appearance. Generally, um, no, I, I like to just let it grow like an old prospector. There is some other article of clothing that you feel like that you thought you had discovered like two days ago, and it was like pants or something, you know. But I, this is all to say that he doesn't necessarily like he just within the last six months or so has figured out how to use the we've lived in this house for five and a half years. He just figured out how to use the air conditioner. <laughs> he knows where it is and how to turn it on and off and up and down and adjust the settings. To an extent. To an extent. You know, mean, you don't know how to actually, like, set it. Don't leave But you me. know how to do it in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, like for a two-hour window. I'll, I'll take the wheel, but I don't want to be responsible for the entire ship's operation. Right. But with other things, he's like, you know, you know how handy he is. Oh, yes. With oh, the, yes. Uh, now, can I things. go back to the sheets? Is it a simple, the higher the thread count, the more soft something is? Or You know, I'm not sure, but uh, apparently that's what they're trying to sell us, yeah. Because because it's the higher thread counts are more expensive, but I don't know if that, uh, you know, what is the thread count of, of uh, T-shirt sheets? Because those are the ones that are real nice and soft to me. I'm pretty sure we need to stop saying thread count. Okay, thread count. Pretty annoying. All right. Thread volume? Thread? <laughs> the density, the, the fiber density yeah. of the fabric. I'm not sure, but that's what they're trying to, that's yeah. what they're hawking. Okay. And I will say that climbing into these uh, higher fiber density uh, linens <laughs> is incredibly pleasurable, so much so that I usually burst out in laughter when I climb into this bed. <laughs> he does. <laughs> he gets in and he says... Oh, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we were, you um, gentlemen folk, right before we started actually recording the PCAST, were talking about a commercial that keeps running on CNN for uh, curved penises. Mm -hmm. And you said it's called... Peroni's disease, yeah. I believe. Peroni's huh. disease. Like, much like the beer, Peroni's beer which I believe is people who die, when they die, they brew, their, they stick, they cut off their penises, stick it in water. Oh, wow. And then <laughs> like kind of steep the water and then that becomes Peroni's beer. That's one of the funnest This is an facts. ad for that. I'm sorry, but this is an ad for Peroni's beer. <laughs> yeah. I'm in their marketing department. Well. Could I get sued for what I just said? I don't think so. No, okay. no. We'll protect you. Um, so yeah, I wanted to say slash brag that I dated someone with a curved penis. 
and it was exhausting. Oh man. You gotta like do a whole other, there's a, like a, it's like doing a three point turn every time you're, it's like over and over, three point turn, three point turn, three point well, turn. It's <laughs> like, it's freaking exhausting. The weird thing is I, I had uh, the privilege of dating a couple ladies with crooked vaginas. Uh, in my youth. And do you think it's just a matter of finding the proper uh, fit if, if you have a peculiar shape? What, who are you going to find that fits it? If it's, if, if it's taking like a hard left, I don't, well, no pun intended. I, I don't <laughs> think there's a, what, there, nobody fits that. Hard left is a great podcast name. Hard left. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> That'll be our political <laughs> podcast. <laughs> hard left. The Camille with Nick Offerman. What if that's a segment on our podcast? It's time for hard left. <laughs> could be, could be. You know what we neglected to do in our extensive preparations for this episode with Mr. Will Forte is we forgot to pick a topic. Now, did you, by any chance, have any kind of topic that you'd like to discuss? Well, there there are several things that I uh, could potentially talk about i do like talking about because in the past people will say oh what what uh superpower would you like to have and mine would always be time travel and then i just think about all the different places in history uh time periods but specific events i would like to witness with my own eyes i was i just get off on talking about that kind of stuff wow i think i would pick that over flying although flying i don't know if i could somehow fly into different times that'd be great too living in la flying would be dope to circumnavigate traffic that's true that's definitely true do you have flying dreams yes mm -hmm. there's yeah, something I've, I've had a lot of flying dreams you... i've had dreams of passing through matter oh wow yeah i rarely remember my dreams because i'm mostly donkey but when i do and i and <laughs> when i've had flying dreams and i remember this more from when i was younger there is a wonderful feeling that you kind of just hit on where it's it's attached to like what's special about yourself or I think, oh yeah, I can I know how to do this because I'm in touch with the part of me that's like Neo in the Matrix. Like I can get myself to the right mellow vibe. Yep, here we go. I'm flying. And it I always attach that then in my waking life to like trusting my inner voice. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry, sorry to be earnest. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I think you're I, yeah, like, I think you're because there are as as often as I have those flying dreams or dreams where you can do like, I guess what could only be described as just really incredible parkour where you're just mm -hmm. pushing off things and <laughs> jumping far in the air and then you can turn it into some uh, just you could do anything really that those happen, I guess, when I'm in a really good place in my life but then when you're in kind of the downer times you have those moments where you're trying to punch something and you can't and you're trying to fight off something you can't run fast you're trying to sprint and your your sprint is like a, a soft walk oh those are crazy yeah do you those have those words frustrating yes i've had many dreams where i'm in a situation where i need to punch someone yeah and everything shuts down where I actually like try to do the punch and everything is soft <laughs> and I and I yeah. am incapable. But you don't generally remember your dreams, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. It's very rare that it's it's an, when I wake up and I'm like, honey, I remembered a dream. And then it's usually six small details versus Megan has yeah. incredible memory of her dreams and can recount oh, really? with you know with such incredible detail. But Nick's dreams are always like I danced around a beautiful oak tree with some puppies and kitties. And mine are like, I saw some heads rolling down the middle of the street. <laughs> oh, oh, wow. And together, we're a happy marriage. <laughs> I had a friend once who, who told me the secret to, there's some kind of weird, if you want to remember your dreams, you write something specific with your left hand. It's got to be your left hand. And it's like some kind of thing about, I want to, oh, I know what it is. You can figure out. Oh, no, I don't know what it is. I can't remember. But it's something like, I want to figure out why I do this, and I will vent it out in my early morning dreams or in my waking dreams, and I will remember my dreams. There's something, a very specific thing that you write down in, with your left hand right before you go to bed, and she claims that it works. And for some reason, I've never tried it. And it's as simple as just taking... 20 seconds to write this thing down. So maybe I'll try it tonight. I should have tried it last night. I used to write my dreams. I used to wake up in the middle of the night, like several times and write my dreams down, like in the dark and a big scrawl. Really? Kind of, well, when I was in my 20s, you know, 20s, probably. If you're a lefty? It's exhausting. I'm just tired. Do you have to use your, do you do it with your right hand? I don't know. You do it with your off hand, in other words? I'm not sure. What are you going to do it? I don't know. Thinking about becoming. <laughs> I feel like she would have asked me that because she would have said with your offhand. Hmm. I feel like it was. I'm thinking about becoming left-handed. Well, maybe she's. Are you left-handed? Because maybe that's why she. No. Remembers all her dreams. <clears throat> let me say that that was the appetizer, dear listener. Uh, and now let's move on to the main course of this installment of In Bed with Megan and Nick: Time Travel. See, now that is going that is going to be one of our shiniest topics, I predict. I don't think too many people will come in and say they want to talk about time travel. Is it even possible? Do you think it will ever be possible to travel through time? Mm, well, sure. We should get Neil deGrasse Tyson in here. I mean, yeah, digging into the, this new show I, I have coming out on FX called Devs, D-E-V-S, coming out in 2020. And it deals a lot with quantum physics. Yeah. And so presumably from what I've gleaned from the science fiction that I've read or seen, you know, uh, if, if we exist in this continuum and all of the molecules in existence, eventually one way or another, uh, if we can surpass uh, our three-dimensional state, then arguably we're supposed to be able to travel anywhere across the continuum the time space continuum but i don't i don't foresee it in my career well um, so will what are the what are the places that you would like to what are the events you, you said there are so many things that you'd like to witness well i mean god it, it, it's there are the real obvious ones there are what are the real obvious uh, ones? i mean uh, huge things uh, uh, you know, signing of the Declaration of Independence, uh, Gettysburg Address, um, the the mystery ones, you know, being at the grassy knoll and seeing mm. what actually happened. That's a great or one. Or being at the, 
you know, Ford theater and, and seeing the, you know, Lincoln get shot. I mean, those are gory and I, I don't think I wouldn't take pleasure in seeing the goriness of it, but just to see all these events that you've heard about over the years and just see what it, what it looked like or being, you know, going back, checking out what it was like in caveman Dave's, uh, Dave, Dave, caveman Dave's yeah. uh, <laughs> place, which is a yeah. bar. It was in the yeah. early seventies. Yeah. Jimmy Buffett guy. used to play there. Just checking out seeing your parents when they first met. Seems like there are going to be less situations like that moving forward that aren't fully cataloged. Yeah, with, with iPhones and stuff like that. So back yeah. there's with 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 our generation, there are a lot more. You know, you have some Super Eight footage of some things with no sound, but but uh, back in the day, there was nothing. You would just have a couple of grainy old photographs. But I would, I just that I is a fascinating really notion that uh, to go back to even you know your grandparents and beyond to see sort of just how human they were because we yeah. we create such uh, sort of sort of facsimiles of the people based on photos and stories yeah but it's always affected by this old-timey sensibility of like well they must have yeah. all been wearing corsets or whatever the case may be and to go hang out on their date and and be like are you, are you warm enough you know and just see how boringly human they are. There's be. that World War One documentary that came out recently where they took all the footage from the First World War and, and it's, it's it's always sped up and in black and white and they slowed it down to real time and they colorized it and it humanized oh, everything. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because you forget, oh, that's right, there were colors back then. <laughs> it's... And people didn't move in fast, semi-fast motion. Yeah, yeah my grandpa had Parkinson's disease. And so when I, most of the time that I remember him was uh, with, with balance problems. And recently we had a lot of old film stuff converted to DVD and we can, I could see him as a, you know, 25 year old, 30 year old and see my mom as a four year old. It was so, so interesting to see that stuff. I like your tendency, uh, your your sort of desire to solve historical mysteries. Yeah. Where would you go, Nikki Poops? Well, this the, this is a little leading, but I can't get it off my mind when we have Will Forte in for a chat session. Laying in our bed. I would go to your early days at Saturday Night Live to the writer's offices based on legends that I've heard about different pranks that you would play with your pubic hair. <laughs> I would I would like to go be a fly on the wall for those high. You drinks. probably could have done that in this life without time travel. It's like wheatgrass. It just grows back, so I can cut it off and it grows back. <laughs> yeah, there's this guy, Eric Sloven, who I don't know why I don't know how this even started, but I would just always cut off my pubic hair and put it on his keyboard at the beginning of the season. <laughs> He's a very nice guy and a very good friend, but for some reason we just got into this little rut. And then he, of course, unplugged it and, and gave me that keyboard and then took my keyboard over there. And then the next year 
I did it again. And then he, you know, then he knew that the other one already had the pubic hair on it. So he had to figure, I don't know whose keyboard then he switched it out with, but, <laughs> but yeah, he was, yeah. You... And I'm sorry. I was, I've, I look back now, I, I guess I have no regrets, but, <laughs> but, uh, I was going to say, I'm just making an observation. You, like my husband, Nick, seem like you have, I'm just guessing, no shortage of body hair. Yeah, but... Um, you guys have the only... You're the only two people I know who get... When you do grow a beard really big like you had at the beginning of Last Man on Earth, very voluminous, bushy beards. That oh, yeah, yeah. Yours, because I think you have that same... A lot of people don't... They don't grow out sideways yeah. as much. Or maybe they just cut it down, but mine really comes out like a... Like a you know, sizzle. 18th century president. Mm-hmm. Or the guy in Guinness Book of World Records who can hold it out. What yeah. is your, um, what's your lineage? I, I, have, you, have you done the ancestry? I haven't done it, but I think I'm, I think I'm uh, just a European hodgepodge. Yeah, I mean, you seem pretty, German, pretty... Dutch, uh, Irish, Italian. Forte's Italian or Fort? Actually, I'm not even sure if it's. We slapped a, an accente goo on to make us seem French because I think at the time it was better to seem french than italian <laughs> so uh so i'm not even sure if it's it could be fort i think i think it is fort but then within even the forte family it's i think my sister says forte and and i just sometimes will say forte sure I, yeah but, i'm going with forte thank you bad? it's charismatic my name <clears throat> just for the record in case anybody cares mm -hmm. is pronounced megan Malali. Malali. I'm the first time? person to say it right. Megan Malali. Megan Malali. Malali. Because I think you get a lot of Malalis, right? A lot. Yeah. Of. I don't even notice it anymore. And you get people me at, Megan. at the sitcom say Malali after 20 years. Folks it's are okay. simple. They mean well. Where would you like to time travel to? I can't think of a single place. Is that weird? Can't really? think of anything that I would like to go do. Nothing. Maybe some Broadway shows I missed mm. before I was born. Um, I'd like to go into the future, too. That'd be pretty... I'd well, like to date Jimmy Stewart. Is that bad? That's cool. No, that's great. Yeah. Okay. The future, We yeah. had a good run. What about you, Nick? What did you say? We had a good run. Yeah. I love him. I mean, if I have to lose you to someone... Jimmy Stewart. I mean, come on. Jimmy Stewart. Yeah. Because you're America's sweetheart right now, but he was America's sweetheart back then. So I want to hit estimation. them all. I want to hit all the uh, sweethearts. But of what America. if he went back and he was a big jerk? You know? Who what? was America's sweetheart like during Abraham Lincoln days? Should I do him? Booth, right? The Booth, brother so. of Jonathan Wilkes Booth, uh, Edwin Booth. Actor? Yeah. He was uh, America. He was the Olivier. Yeah, that's right. They were big. Both, both of them were actors, right? Okay. Yeah, but his, I'll get him. it's so funny because I did a drunk history and <laughs> and played one of the Booth brothers. And I don't remember any of this. I was also a history major, but I just have a bad memory, so I can't remember. <laughs> well, you, you remember that much. Drunk history must must work. Yes. And I wasn't the drunk person in the thing. I was the recreator <laughs> with Adam Scott. He uh, was he was John Wilkes Booth. I think I was his, his brother. I was. It, it's interesting. I, I played the harder of the parts. Sure. Yeah. No, I'm <laughs> he did. You played the better actor. Yes. Obviously. Yes. Yeah. The I, one but, with the most charisma is the part you played. 
Sure, yes. Yeah. But based on Take that, Adam. That's actually <laughs> what I was gonna where I was gonna go is we love to um you know, there's something about watching obviously great work in film and TV and on stage, but there's also something really satisfying about seeing people that get things wrong in an edifying way where, you know, if you go see especially really bad theater where you're like, man, I, I really feel for, like I know all the work that went into putting this up, but these decisions, these staging decisions or whatever it is are so bad. Yeah. Like this is, doesn't work. It's terrible. Yeah. It'd be, I think it'd be really interesting to go to some 19th century theater in London. I thought you were saying brothels. And and then that's after the show. I see. Uh, but okay. no, to see to see like the great work of yesteryear, and see how it comes off, because the way that styles change so drastically, and I feel like we'd find things incredibly overacted and and feeling kind of broad. I know. I hear you saying that, and I always think that. But then I think maybe people were amazing because when you see old movies or you see clips from you know early right after they invented the camera the motion picture the moving picture people are good so i don't know it's hard do to you say aren't good? Are good. are good are good i mean not everybody but a lot of people are great i mean think about silent films yeah it's hard to know it is sometimes when you hear recordings of like noel coward or something like that it sounds pretty bad and sometimes it sounds amazing well i feel like um we, I, I agree with you, and I feel like perhaps the work of the great vaudevillians is what we're thinking of. But if we look at uh, melodrama performers, that's where it would be like. Yeah, uh, but wouldn't that be like sort of the equivalent of watching, you know, reality television now or The Real Housewives or something? I suppose. Oh, I just watched. Uh, did you watch The Bachelorette? Film? I did. <gasps> I finally watched it. Will, last time. Oh, what have we been we talking go. about this whole time? Why? Yeah. My why did God. I not? Uh, uh, I mean, I I was <laughs> I knew. Yeah, I had heard tale that that somebody was lying about something, but I didn't know who it was. And I loved that Tyler guy. My yeah. my girlfriend and I, I, I I actually liked all three of the final people. Yeah. Um, but I think my girlfriend really was into Tyler, and I, he was my favorite also. I liked Peter also. Mm -hmm. um, but I liked Jed, too. I was sure. just like, oh, wow, there's the three, three nice guys. Nice guys. Yeah. This is great. And then when it got down to to Tyler and Jed, I was like, oh, I know one of these guys. Because also the way they set it up, I said, oh, I'm going to be, oh, this is going to be tough. Because I, the way they had set it up, I I kind of caught on to it because I'm like, oh, they're making Tyler seem like they had the real connection and Jed, Jed and her didn't have any connection at all. Yeah, they had trouble the last couple episodes. Yeah, mm -hmm. so I'm like, oh, she he's, picks Jed he's totally and then what I he's said. the dick. Yeah. Uh, so so I was so happy when that happened because I'm like, that just was the my favorite Bachelorette or Bachelor finale ever because it had plenty of good drama. And then it also had the best ending of yes. like, oh, there's this possibility of yeah. of uh, them Re redemption being together in a real way, and they can actually also kind of date normally, maybe. Yeah. Or who knows? Maybe it's they actually go on one date and go. It's could different. Be, it could be the best possible beginning. Yeah. Uh, 
I have, what do you guys think? Well, Sorry, I just a couple. I want to do a quick PSA, a couple tips to any men or women out there uh, who are thinking about proposing to their significant other. A, don't do it in public or on camera where don't put any pressure on the person you're proposing to to mm -hmm. answer the question in front of others. That's mm -hmm. just really dumb and inconsiderate. B, don't bring a guitar and play a song as part of your proposal. Oh my God. Uh, especially if you're suspected to have interests in the country music business. Um, but just just make it sincere. If, if you want to make something of it, you know, if you want to make it in a beautiful place, by all means, make it as romantic as you want to, but make it special for you and your partner and don't try to turn it into a show. But when you proposed to me, you were wearing full makeup and you did a monologue. Privately. It's like an audition. By the way, I, I understand. <laughs> did it work? It did. You got the job. Yeah. Wait, I want to I want to come back to this, but I want to. But first, I want to <laughs> go back and say those are you my can't real really lessons. give somebody on The Bachelorette or The Bachelor shit about proposing on TV because <laughs> that's kind of the point <laughs> of the entire no, show. No. That's true. That's no, a good point. It's true, but I... I, I Unless you've been hired. I don't do disagree. That This just made me think of all the people specifically when we perform live, uh, when I tour as a comedian, yeah. I get a lot of requests. Will you help me propose to my fiance oh. at your show? Oh. Like, can we make a thing of it? And when we toured a comedy show together, there was a there was a mock proposal thing and people play off that where they're like can we turn this into a real thing yeah and i just and i just encourage people to by all means chase romantic love but do it in private yeah so i liked uh her the bachelorette because um it, especially in the second what's it after the final route no the men tell all. Okay. Sure. Sorry. This is so um, embarrassing. Hannah Beast, we're talking about. Hannah Beast. Um, she said two cool things. She said that thing that about that sociopath, Luke P., who was on the show. She said, you know, if sorry he was on for so long. Well, she apologized for him being on for so long. But she also said, you know, if there's anybody watching out there who's dating somebody like this, male or female, if anyone realizes from seeing him what's going on in their own relationship and gets out, then that will be a good thing. I thought yeah. that was cool that she no said worries. that because that guy was, he was the craziest one they've ever. Yeah. I, I kept wondering if that was, because I, for a while he was so bad. I was thinking, Oh, do they have producers that say, look, I know this dude's crazy. Mm -hmm. You clearly know he's crazy. You're, we're going to give you $250,000 if you move him into the next round. But I then think I they don't move think it them No, I think they move them along to, an, to a point. They say, we know you're not going to pick him in the end. Yeah. But I think up, up until they don't go through hometowns. They go but up until it, like an episode point, or two it was before so that. so clear. But I think she actually really, I know, that's what we thought. But I think she really had a thing for him. Yeah, and I, you know, people like that. I don't. I'm not a, um, not a qualified diagnostician, but I do think he has a personality disorder of some sort. 
I said sociopathy. Yeah. Who knows? But um, those kind of people, those kinds of people are very charismatic and they can pull you in, even if they're big dumbos like that guy was. I mean, they still can be very charming. Yeah. And sort of seductive. No. And I, and I do like, like as frustrated as I could be with her continuing to bring him on, I do, I agree with you that in the end, the way she handled it, I thought was really great. And I, and I, grew from not being so sure about her because of in the season before the Caitlin and her stuff. So, yeah, I, I, I do watch, um, <laughs> you know, I, cause uh, th- I, I was like, Oh, who's I, you know, I just couldn't tell. And she seemed to be seeking out drama a little bit in that situation. And I've, and I, I, she I really, came, yeah, uh, she, she almost devolved into uh, a pageant feud. Yeah. Oh. And but but they pulled. I think they pulled out of it. They pulled out of it, and then she and then she really. Uh, I don't know. I, I need I, to I, talk I, about I, her accent. And I do her. like her. I do. I do like her, and and feel like uh, she overcame all these uh, things. That, these question marks in in my head. That and is I'm, the most I'm, extreme I'm very southern accent I've ever heard. That Hannah Beast. Yeah. Sports. I've never heard a southern accent that puts a K sound on the end of the Well, that's IMGs. a whole other thing. That's a, like a, I don't know what that's called. That's a different, let's do two-part, two-parter. Let's okay. just talk about the extremity of her Southern accent. Because yeah. I don't even know how to do that, and I know how to do accents. But it is beyond the, right? Tuscaloosa. It is. My girlfriend is from Alabama. Does so she, she talk like that? No, she doesn't. In yeah, fact, that's what I'm saying. In fact, most of her friends who now uh, a lot of them have moved out here to uh, California, you almost wouldn't be able to tell that they're not just from California. I grew up in Oklahoma City, but I don't talk like that. I um, grew up in central Illinois. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but then, yes, yeah, she does make her G's into a K sound. It's fascinating. So, in other words, if she says, Bring. She says, brink, brink. She's I'm, like Colonel I'm, Clink. I'm gonna brink it. <laughs> what is the, how does she do it? What's the accent? Can you do it? I'm gonna have to get over there and brink you there. Your, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know about the, okay. Say, um. Get out of here. Say, you're such a good singer. You're such a good singer. <laughs> you're such a good singer. singer. You're okay. such a good singer. Um. It's so darling. It's so darling. We both it's made so the. So darling. <laughs> I I don't know. I didn't I didn't notice the K thing. Oh, <gasps> what? Oh my god! Wait, it's we fun. gotta have a clip. I find it really delicious that people. Bye. See ya. See you later. I I, I spent a lot of time in Minnesota yeah. and have my whole life um, fishing, and I was just there. My family goes every year. Yeah. And. Um, and these two guys that run the cabin resort that we go to, I got to record them. Their their Minnesota accents are so amazing and like yeah. crazy, like you're like stereotypical. You're, even Minnesota, it's like take Fargo and turn it up a little bit. Like it's really oh yeah. And that and then I can't do accents, so that's my at, attempt at a Minnesota. Yeah, that's not bad. I mean, that's but it's really that extreme. And it's so charming. And it, just these earnest, like, working class guys who, they had a landscaping company. They're like 36 and 40, two yeah. brothers. 
and they bought this cabin resort. Now they run it. And they're, they're just these heroic guys who yeah. like, you know, they every year they've done something new in the cabin. There's like a new a new shitty Walmart countertop to replace the one from 1979. But like you can see their love and effort. And yeah. I and we're just like, man, thank you. Like you guys are, are great. I saw on social media the other day just somebody talking about the TV show Fargo. Like, I'm so sure people, no one sounds like that. And you're like, well, no, it's just th that flavor, like, and the reason I think we're so interested in her d accent is because it never makes it all the way into the spotlight. Like, Yeah, because like, I think, uh, uh, and, and why is that? Do you think it's just so you can be as well, it's the same reason come I, across to as many people like be more yeah, like, mainstream what's i think so like this it's the same reason that when i went to theater school they were like okay you need to not sound like you're from illinois and say like hey you guys can you, can you give, bring me a wash rag and like you know what they my family sounds more nasal and they're like hey you guys you want to come out and get some sweet corn and they're like you you don't want to sound like that. You want to sound as neutral as possible as an actor so that you can put whatever role you're playing onto your neutral voice. Okay. I could see that, but, but, but yeah, I mean that, that makes total sense. So if I you're, think, but if I think you're playing a, you know, I feel like in general that, that the that's a media influence. That's like, if you want to succeed, if you want to be, uh, a Fortune 500 person, or if you want to be on the cover of a magazine, any sort of like success is filtered through the media. Yeah. Is like you generally don't want to sound like you're from a really richly flavored part of the country. You want to sound like somebody who would have a penthouse in Manhattan. Yeah. Unless your specific category requires flavor, like a chef from New Orleans. Yeah. It's, you know, something where it's like, yeah. oh, he wants to sound like that, or Bourdain, or something. like yeah, the guys that you that that you're fishing with. I mm -hmm. want them to sound like hardcore Minnesotans. Totally, and it never occurred to them like they sound normal with themselves. It never, no, no yeah. life choice said to them, you should sound less like a. It's it's the same sensibility. I mean, th this is a huge issue of mine, but it's the same sensibility that's allowed our society to forget about our farmers. Yeah, because you're not supposed to be from you're not supposed to be quote unquote a hick or from the backwoods or the middle of nowhere, and that's kind of what that flavor relates to is if you want to succeed in in the modern uh, interpretation of success, you're you know you're supposed to look like you're from a fitness magazine, you're supposed to sound like you've gone to an Ivy League school or whatever you know like. You're, you're educated and you speak in a, in a certain perceived intelligent way. Um, and that's allowed us to devalue if, a, if like yeah. uh, Wendell Berry, my favorite Kentucky writer talks a lot about how smart farmers are that never finished high school because they just took over their farm and the intelligence that it requires is incredible, but it's completely devalued in the modern quote unquote economy. Oh, it's, I mean, yeah, I, I, no, I got so much respect for for farmers, and it, it, it just sounds like what it, an incredibly hard uh, occupation, especially when you you know have all these 
corporations coming in and you know like what is it monsanto who comes in yeah, and monsanto and cargo copyrights their or what is the word the Co- patent their patent seeds. their, their L- seeds literally the dna blow of over seeds. into the oh it just yeah. then they'll put put these you know they'll yeah. sue these farmers and these are the men and women that are, that are for li- the wind blowing <laughs> they are the people in the grand scheme of things that are tasked with uh, traditionally over, over centuries with maintaining the the husbandry, the fidelity of a piece of land. Their family's gig is like, okay, we have this 200 acres and we're going to manage the hardwood, the woodlot, the fields, the livestock, the pasture, the watershed, this piece of nature, we are going to manage it. We're gonna try and grow food for people and we're and if you put those people on TV and and they sound like you know they're like well it's a bad year for soybeans, our initial you know response is geez what a what a hick what a hayseed, one really th- those are the people we desperately need and we've left in the cold, th- to save us from climate change, like we've shut those people down to bring in machinery and industrial farming, which is ruining the people and the soil and and the food. Everything about it is killing us. <laughs> you know, they pass legislation so that like fast food restaurants don't have to be as healthy. Uh, what's what's that all about? Oh, there's a great that book. That was a turnaround. I read Fast Food Nation years ago. Yeah. I felt, I felt like things were getting better. No, it hasn't gotten any better. We've just been, Michael Pollan writes wonderfully about it. Like. It's the Whole Foods myth. Like Whole Foods became a huge success because in the same way that people think recycling works. Yeah. The recycling symbol, the three arrows, was invented by Pepsi so they could sell us plastic bottles. What? and, 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 And the Whole Foods myth that you feel better, like they've, they're like, oh, this is all organic produce. But a lot of it's being flown in from Peru, so what? Oh, so it so still has an incredible carbon cost. Yeah, yeah. So it's you know it's oh that's a bummer. It's getting through all of this corporate money making to really get down to, you know how. How can we get our tomatoes from within a hundred hundred mile circle? Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna come back to Hannah. Heartbreaking, honestly. I did hear a K sounding. <laughs> okay, good. Yeah. We got it. We got it. It's a, it's what's By the way, sad. based on what you were, that just reminded me of the, this is uh, tangential in a way, but also on point. Uh, do you hear the story about, what did they, in, in Ethiopia, they just planted something crazy, like 250 million trees in 12 hours or something. Wow. Is that, is it 250 million? In Where? 12 hours. Wow. Where? Ethiopia, Ethiopia, I think oh it was. Planting trees is a big deal uh, for turning around our carbon situation. And uh, I'm excited by Greta Gunberg. Is that how you say her name? Like, uh, I, and David Hogg, that young gun oh, rights Parkland, activist. Uh, yeah. Like, I love these young people that are gaining such incredible traction because the young people will save us all. But, mm. uh, kid, did you want to continue rolling on? Uh, I think young people is another expression that I'm going to have to mix. Okay. Um, the youth? I was going to say, 
before we get into Hannah B making a K sound on her G's, mm -hmm. um, do you believe in uh, reincarnation? I don't know what I believe. Because that's that's like built-in time travel, I think, was, um, was getting up. What I sometimes, I sometimes wonder, oh, is there an afterlife, which is the, the afterlife that you are always, you know, like a heaven mm -hmm. type situation, which for me, then going back into kind of what we were talking about, my version of heaven is like just being a, all these old secrets for you know, historical secrets are all opened up and you get to just know everything and see everything. And you could, you could just have some form of, of, uh, yeah, time travel or, or, you know, God's DVR where you can just right. pop everything in and you, see what you can really happens. Get hypnotized uh, by people who are past life regressionists and they oh. will take you back to your past lives. My you mom can... does this stuff. Yeah. Oh, okay. So even if you don't believe in it or not, it might be interesting because you might be like right in the neighborhood when, when, um, a, you know, maybe Lincoln I was there. gets assassinated. Or maybe I was maybe Lincoln. Maybe, maybe you were maybe John you shot Kennedy. Kennedy. Maybe God. that's why you've got that in your head. Oh, God. Maybe you're just a time-traveling assassin. Let me, so let me ask this. With past lives, is there a stopping point or you just keep going? Good it's God. past and future. I just got really scared. It's past and future. So it all exists simul simultaneously. The past, the present, and the future are all happening simultaneously. Ooh. Because I always wonder, do you get rewarded for making good choices in this life? Like, if there is this, is it just luck of the draw and you just pop into some other situation? Or is there something where, oh, if I learn the lessons, if I'm growing as a person do i get rewarded and they're like okay you get to start out uh, with this level of awareness so that you know yeah if you're growing as a person then then that's do you take good. that with you yes you do take you're that an with old you. soul in the next uh-huh and then yeah. at a certain point if you've really grown then you don't have any more growing and you don't have any more growing to do then you graduate to the next level, which is pure consciousness. So you're not in a body, mm. but you can manifest a body if you'd like, or you can kind of manifest anything. This is according to metaphysics, not according to just something I made up. And then they say, and the people say, well, why do babies die? Um, so that might be a soul. The soul of the baby might be a soul that has been known to one or both of the parents or other family members in previous lives or future lives or something. And it's sometimes a little bit more evolved soul who just comes in for a minute to teach the people who are around that little baby something that they need to learn. Hmm. That's or to offer That's a, them a chance to learn something they need to learn, I guess, because not everybody learns from everything. On, on this other hand, would a bit, would a soul in the same instance come just briefly because they were like, "Did I leave my phone in the den in my past life?" And then they they're like, "Oh yeah, it's there." And probably. Then yeah. And then <laughs> That's probably. Then they can what leave. What happens? 
Okay, let me ask That's this. That's beautiful. Then. Thanks, Nick. Two souls really like beautiful. you guys are are so wonderful together, and you are, uh, you know, if soulmates exist, I would say that you two are soulmates. <laughs> um, does that do you guys in future lives intersect? I hope so. God, yeah. what would I do without you? What if? Do you think that we there's a chance that we were Laurel and Hardy? Um, what if, okay, no. no, but I hope that we're always together because I can't even like get through a day. What if you guys you? eventually pass on to your next lives, you do cycle up together, and then he's got a like a wickedly curved penis? <laughs> <laughs> well, we have uh, what's a we have the medication Propecia. now. We'll pick up a 12-pack of Peronis. You know what? I'll order Get some busy. now <laughs> off of the commercial, and I'll take it with me to the future lives. Can I go back to something I wanted to ask you guys? I want to know uh, how did you guys, uh, what was the proposal like? Mm. You were giving, earlier you are you were giving advice to people proposing. That's right. So I want to hear about your your proposal situation. Well, we had gone, well, there is a precursor to the actual proposal, which was the fake proposals. <laughs> because I didn't want to get married. Yeah. Because I've been married before and I didn't want to do it again. And um, Nick was humoring me. And so we went on our first like fancy vacation. We went to Paris and this was, this was around 2003. Two maybe. No, 2002. Yeah. 2002. Well, no, actually. The casino in Las Vegas. Paris casino in. 2001? Yeah, because we got engaged in yeah. 2002 and got married right. in 2003. Okay. Spoiler. Spoiler. Um, yeah, so we went to Paris and uh, Nick did three fake proposals where he, you know, in a, at a beautiful location like the Cathedral de Sacré-Cœur and the Eiffel Tower and one, oh, on a bridge over the Seine. The Pont Neuf Bridge. Yeah. Uh, he did these elaborate proposals where he had a ring. <laughs> he got down on one knee and he had a ring and then he would fumble it and it would fall through an ornate French sewer grate <laughs> <laughs> or off the Eiffel Tower or into the scent. So he did that three times and we, oh, how we laughed. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I mean, what other woman would be like, oh my God, thank God he's not actually proposing. This is hilarious. I love him. He's so funny. P women would, I mean, you would have been thrown off the scent by any, uh, uh, thrown off the Eiffel Tower by any other woman. Sure. Or, but obviously, it, we had an understanding that. Yeah. And we did. We It was, I mean, I, I, I really didn't want to get married. So I, yeah. I thought it was hysterical. We, by that point, we sort of had a, a sort of tacit agreement that we were going to be together forever, regardless of the semantics of How far into the relationship was it? It wasn't uh, maybe the first year. Yeah, yeah it, it was like a year. Far, yeah. But I, when I realized I was gonna propose to Megan I, I remember exactly I was driving my old Dodge pickup truck up the five freeway to Valencia to go hang some lights for the Walt Disney Corporation and uh, I remember just right where I was where it just hit me that I was gonna marry Megan that it, that it was over my search was over yeah 
And, um, and so it was, it was, you know, sort of a casual negotiation of like, should we, you know, I come from this big family in Illinois. So I was like, you know, so I know how weddings go. You have like 250 people in the church, you know, and, and we basically negotiated out over a couple of years, what would happen. So, so we did the fake proposals and they were good fun. Was this drive up to Valencia before or after Paris? Before. Okay. Yeah, it was pretty, that was probably just a f- three or four months in okay. to our relationship. So, so then, I don't know, within a year after the Paris gags, we were in London. We took a vacation to London and I, I knew I was going to go for it. Um, we had booked a tour guide. We'd never been to London, or I'd been there when I was 20, but I didn't remember it. Yeah. Yeah, so we went to London. We had a tour guide, and I remember, like, I think the tour, the guy came at 9 in, at 9 a.m., mm-hmm. and I remember looking out. Nick had gone down to talk to him at a little before 9, and I was still just getting my stuff together, and I looked out the window and saw them talking down there, and I thought, well, that's nice. Nick's so friendly. So we went through our day. We had a whole tour, and it got to be the end of the day. It was like 4.30, 4 o'clock, whatever. We were in the car, and everybody had been chatting all day, and all of a sudden, they'd both gone really quiet. And the driver was all sweaty, and Nick was chewing on his mustache, which was the first time I remember him doing that. <laughs> he was sucking on it, and I thought, well, that's something. He was shitting little green apples yes. in yeah. the vernacular of... So we got to Regent Park. I, I remember the tour guy saying, oh, I think you should see this lovely park. And I was like, okay, because we'd been really just visiting like monuments. And there, he said there's a, an area of the park called Queen Anne Rose Garden. So why don't you head there? So we w- toured through the beautiful Queen Anne's Rose Garden, which is just, you know, you can imagine the... A uh, sort of royal-funded collection of different roses, just resplendent. And uh, at the far end of it is a just section of sort of Japanese garden, kind of a tea garden style, with a picturesque wooden bridge over a little stream. And so we mounted the bridge, and I was chewing my mustache furiously, and I pulled out oh, here it is. this <laughs> walnut... <laughs> heart-shaped box that I had flown over and took a knee. And all, all, all of the birds, all the waterfowl and insects were furiously suddenly copulating Maybe. in the air around us. And nature was vibrating as I opened that the, is so cool. the box. Did you make that? Yeah. Oh, man. And so really neat. I opened this, this heart-shaped walnut box with the ring and proposed, and Megan said yes. And, it, and did you, so you could tell that this was not a fake one this time? Yeah. And why was the driver so nervous? Because he was in on it. Like, he, yeah. He and I yeah, but he, just, he didn't have to like, he was, a young, wasn't, he was a young guy and he, he was vibing with me. Like he, he knew... He was excited. It was so, a big deal. So then he was the first. Look at the little finger. Like if there's an elaborate timing of. Like so, the little finger. It's beautiful cold. for those who are, well, for everyone, because nobody's seeing this. 
This it's is a, a really, really heart neat... carved out of wood yeah. with a space inside for the that the ring fit oh perfectly into. You should wear this. My mm-hmm. my favorite detail about it is it's beautiful. It's pre nine eleven, and so on the plane in my backpack, I had a small bottle of linseed oil and a rag because I still was putting finish on it, yeah. like the first few mornings in in London, which. As everyone knows, you, there's no way you can take your wood finish on the plane with you anymore. Yeah. So this, <laughs> it was a sweeter time. What kind of wood is it? Uh, Eastern black walnut. Hmm. That's my nickname. Weird. Hey. Um. Yeah. So that's how we did. This has been hard left. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was the hard left. That's sec- segment. so nice. It was. Oh, I nice. yeah. It's. It's just. And then the driver. Um, was all like excited and we met him at the other side of the park and we all had a good hug. We did it. Yeah. The driver was not the tour guide. He was yes. a driver and he a tour guide. Was, both. He was both. Oh, he both was all in one. His name okay. Andrew. Yep. Yeah. Do you keep in touch with him? Mm-mm. No. Fuck that guy. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was, he, you know, he was a hired servant. <laughs> okay. I gotcha. <laughs> We're not going to fraternize with it. Fucking. I gotcha. I gotcha. <laughs> so what the hell, um, what are you doing right now? What What's going on with you? I am, I just was in New Zealand for a couple months. Quit I did bragging. this Hulu pilot called Sweet Tooth. What? And New Zealand is beautiful. Wait, uh, of that incredible graphic there, novel? That... Yeah. That's so exciting. That's yeah. Cool. I'm in, uh, uh, actually, I don't want to give away any spoilers. There's also but, an Anne McEwen yeah. novel named Sweet Tooth, so Anne McEwen's going to be mad. Uh-oh. There you go. No, this guy, Jeff Lemire, did this graphic novel called Sweet Tooth, so that's mm-hmm. between Jeff and Ian. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jeff is the nicest, sweetest uh, guy, and, and uh, seems like it's turning out really well. The guy who directed it then... This guy, Jim Mickle, was the kind of person you want to work with forever. He's just a sweetheart and was so into Sweet Tooth. So it was just a really pleasant experience. And this this uh, young kid, Christian, plays my son, and he's very sweet. It was just every part of it was was just how you want every job to be. It's just a delight to go into work. And then when I didn't have to work, I could go explore this beautiful country with all these volcanoes and hobbits it's beautiful <laughs> oh that's have you, so have cool. you been there we were just there were you my yeah we band, were. my band toured australia for the month of june and nick uh did a bunch of dates of his new show all rise so my band nancy and beth was touring and nick was doing his show so we planned it so that we were be together and dovetail a lot. Wait, and so when were you in? At the end of June, I played Auckland and Christchurch. I was in fucking Auckland oh. at the end of June. Oh my Jesus. god, that would have been so fun. That would have been amazing. Oh man, we could have taken our shirts off. Yeah, showed them how Americans behave. <laughs> <laughs> it's so great. Did you get to cruise around at all then, or I didn't get to go to Christchurch, but but I was living right in Auckland. I, I've not had my appetite for hiking and nature satisfied yet in New Zealand, but 
it's my second time there and and I've gotten to spend a couple days like one day I was going to go hiking but all the trails are closed because there's a disease affecting the ancient cowrie trees there's a spore oh. that's killing them so okay. they don't let anybody walk on the hiking trails because let's save that for our spore podcast this is let's take a hard left into tree talk <laughs> spores um but so I got to and tonight in spores I spent a bunch of time on the <laughs> black sand beach Oh, yeah. Called uh, Kari Kari, I think. Oh, okay. Um, there are a couple of the Bethel's, mm-hmm. or as they say, Bethel's, Bethel's Beach. Yeah, but it's, it's incredibly beautiful and it's re- so beautiful. really nice people. Yeah, so the the uh, one you got to go on, there's this uh, thing called the Tongariro Alpine Crossing, which you go down by, uh, the. there's this mountain called Mount Ruapehu, and it's right, right by there, there are these other mountains, I forget the name of them, but... One of those mountains is the mountain that was Mount Doom oh. in Lord of the Rings. And then you're hiking through the whole Mordor area. And I'm not even a Lord of the Rings person. I did it because it was just a beautiful, yeah. uh, beautiful scenery that then I found out was all that stuff while I was up there. Honey, it's like a 13-mile hike. Would you have sex with me on Mount Doom? Again? The real Mount Doom. <laughs> There's a pile of sleeping bags at my wood shop that we call Mount Doom <laughs> that sometimes we make love upon. That's exciting. That's she, she has not committed yet. I'm going to have to think about that. Um, <laughs> so we had, we had a crazy jet lag on the way back from really? that area of the world. On the way there, not so much. I was fine kind of both ways. I, I would take. I took a sleeping pill on the way there, and then, you know, you're only. It's 19 hours ahead, or or 20, depending on the time of year. Yeah. But which means it's only four or five hours difference, which is uh, doable if you if you hit your sleeping pill at the right time on the flight. I know. You know, we we our mistake was on the way back. We took a morning flight, which was so stupid, because oh, yeah. it was more. So we didn't. We weren't ready to go to sleep because it was daytime yeah. in Australia. And then that was what screwed us, I think. Yeah, my flight so back was a little later in the day. Yeah, that's better. And then yeah. you can go to sleep. Well, when, did, when can we uh, expect to see this exciting new I don't Hulu know. Show? I think you, they, uh, they're almost done putting together the pilot. And then I think they decide uh, sometime this month. Hulu and, and uh, I think it's got a good shot. I mean, it's... It, it's this guy did such a great job it's a great great story yeah. just every part of it was done really well except with you know with the removing myself from the equation i think it's a pretty perfect thing then you throw me in and it's like you know lowers it down into the high 80s but everything else is 100 it's 100 yeah it's taking just that. kidding i do a wonderful job <laughs> <laughs> they're taking that forte hit you didn't um, miss the Last Man on Earth, so really love that show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that was a that was a well, triumph. We're trying to do a MacGruber series, so we turned it in, also Hulu, and we're waiting to hear from them. Oh, great! So, that's so fingers funny. crossed. But that would be an absolute confection, because that basically MacGruber is the same character as Phil Miller. <laughs> from <laughs> just MacGruber swears a little more and puts things in his butt. I guess Phil Miller puts things in his butt, probably. Just we never wrote it into the thing. Yeah. yeah. Just not on camera. Yeah. yeah. It's not as vocal about it. Well, 
You guys, it's always fun to hang out with you. Yeah, I learn yeah. new stuff about you guys every time. And uh, I can't wait to do it again tomorrow if you'll have me. Of course. But up north, because I'm going up north right now. All right. We're yeah. going with you. For my mom's birthday. Oh, yeah. yeah. Duh. Happy By the birthday. way, she'll be very excited that you guys brought her up. Oh, my First God. First thing. Yeah. Tell her. I Please will. give her our love. Yeah. I will. I definitely will. And we give you our love. And my love back to you. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to and watching. Because if you really try, you can see us in bed with Nick and Megan. Or in bed with Megan and Nick, if you insist. Ladies first. And peace to the people of planet Earth. Bed with Nick and Megan is an Earwolf production. It's produced by Megan Mullally, Kevin Bartelt, and Michael Landry. Executive produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon. Music by Nancy and Beth, which can be found at www.nancyandbeth.com. If you enjoyed In Bed with Nick and Megan, make sure to rate it and review the show on Apple Podcasts. 